Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 18th of February 2024. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Paul continued our series looking at the wisdom of Proverbs and he looked at community. The readings are Proverbs chapter 9 verses 1 to 6 and 5 verses 7 to 9. So we're going to join Paul at the start of the service. And I was just struck, I know Laura was going to bring a psalm to you, but Laura, I was also struck just by the first words of one of the psalms this morning. In my own quiet time, Psalm 97 says, The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. What a great picture of worship. The Lord reigns, let the earth be glad. We're talking about community this this, uh, Sunday. Uh, And Laura, I'm going to do a dangerous thing and say whatever psalm you've chosen, I think it might pick up that theme without even knowing. Over to you. Let's hope so. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Um, It's actually Psalm 95, so I was only two off. Whoa. That would have been interesting. Um, It's great to be back up here today and to lead you in worship. Um, So Psalm 95 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. like to stand to sing that would be amazing we're going to do two together friends our children are going to leave us in a moment but before they do we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray for them using the words of the song you've just sung, because I'm going to take you literally that you actually believe and mean the words you've just sung. Our young people today, let's be honest, face a world where the enemy is trying to run riot. But the battle and the victory are the Lord's. And that means our prayers for our young people are valuable and powerful. And sometimes we forget that reality. And we let them go in a church and we let them pass us by and individually we might go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The children are off, we settle down in our seats and that's that. Not today. We're going to pray that today the battle belongs to the Lord and whether it's Tommy or Sue or or Amy or Luke or whomever is leading our young people today that the battle for them would come out of the mouths of the leaders and they would hear the Lord. Because the battle and the victory belong to him. Do you get the drift? That's what you've just sung. And so we're going to pray that way too. Now that means, Tommy, this is probably the most dangerous prayer everyone's going to pray for you and for those leaders today. Because in truth, not only does the battle belong to the Lord, the victory belongs to the Lord, but that song reminds us that he acts. Let's pray. Father God, when all we see is the battle of youth, the troubles, the anxieties of being young, the world tearing our young people in one direction or another, when all we see are the problem of social media, 
when all we see are the problems of things being piled upon our children, heaped with trouble and anxiety. You see the victory, and we claim that victory for our young people. The battle, Lord, belongs to you. The victory belongs to you. And so today we pray for our young people, for their leaders, that today, Lord, you would inspire by the grace and the power and the majesty and the might and the authority of the Holy Spirit, all who lead our young people, so that our young people might, by that same grace, majesty, might and power and authority, know the Holy Spirit and be moved to respond to you. The battle belongs to you, Lord. The victory belongs to you, and we declare it over our young people. And we'll fight for our young people. We commit ourselves once again to fighting on our knees, or to put it another way, Lord, to fighting in prayer. And we will lift our hands high, And we will declare to the enemy, you have no space and no right over these young people, for the battle belongs to you. You go before us and nothing can stand against you. You are a mighty fortress, the light that shines in the shadows. And you win every battle. And so, for the, so therefore, Lord, we pray for our young people as they leave for their own part of this service that the battle will belong to you and that they may know the God whose victory has already been won. May today, Lord, be a day of celebration. Not just because one has turned to you, but because one has turned in mine head to you. And may you be glorified. We pray peace and blessing and power and majesty and might over all our young people. May you see the beauty in each of them and may they see your beauty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if you're Tommy's crew, can I call them that? (laughs) Is that kind of a grand title? I'm not sure that's the right title, but you get my drift. If you know this young man or you're associated with him, can I invite you? As these guys pass, incidentally, let's be good to put into practice that which we've just prayed. Can I invite you to lift your hand in the air and just pray for them? Just pray for these amazing young people. Lord, we declare your blessing, your power, your majesty, your might, your authority over our young people who so inspire, Lord, and may they be so inspired by the power and the grace and the majesty that is you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know, as a pastor, it's, it's, it's a delight to lose a third of your church when our young people go out. It truly is a delight. Because as I will never tire of reminding you, there are so many churches that would give their high teeth for all that we have been blessed by God with. Let's never give up praying for them, remember them, remembering them, and bringing them before our awesome Lord. We ourselves are going to turn before our Lord in our prayers of intercession. And we're going to use for our prayers of intercession a piece of scripture, a piece of scripture that inspired me actually to see what what there was in terms of prayer related to it. You'd all know the scripture, Revelation chapter 21. 
which talks about what is to come. The community, since we're talking about community today, the community of holy saints around the throne. We're going to read the scripture and then we're going to pray some prayers on the back of that. But it is a prayer of response. Because in this scripture, Jesus says, see, I am making all things new. And so when the call comes, see, I am making all things new, as a community and church family together, we will respond, amen, make all things new. That word amen means let it be. Therefore, dear church, I invite you to pray with me. Let it be, Lord, make all things new. Let's pray. This is the scripture we will use. I invite you just to be in a prayerful attitude and receive from God what he has for you as scripture is read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the old order of things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To, thirst, to the thirsty, I give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. May you add your own understanding to the reading of your word, Lord. And we say, see, I am making all things new. Amen make all things new. We pray for those who are lonely. We pray for those who this morning, Lord, face being alone, not out of choice, but out of the reality of life. But we trust in the promise that that revelation passage brings that the home of God will be among people, that God will dwell with us, that we will be his people, and that God himself will be with us. And so we pray that prayer of that reality, not just for us this morning, but for all who are lonely. We therefore mention in our hearts those who we know that are lonely or isolated. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. Amen. Make all things new. 
We pray for those who are crying, the sad, the depressed and the anxious. We trust in the promise that God will wipe every tear from our eyes. We mention in our hearts those we know who are sad and who this morning know tears. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. Amen. Make all things new. We pray for those who are experiencing the consequences of death, the bereaved and those who are mourning. We pray for those who this morning are suffering because of war and conflict. And we think specifically this morning of the Middle East, of Israel, Gaza, and of the Ukraine. We pray, Lord, because we pray to the one when we do not know the solution, who knows the outcome and knows the way things should be. That your way would reign, your name would be glorified, and your kingdom come. And we trust in the promise that death, mourning and destruction, war, will one day be no more. And so we bring before you all of those we know who are reflected, affected by death and mourning this morning. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. Amen. Make all things new. We pray for those who this morning are in pain, suffering from illness, either physical, mental, emotional or in spiritual. And we trust in the promise that crying and pain and suffering and illness will be no more. I invite you to bring before the Lord in your heart those who you know are ill or in pain. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. Amen. Make all things new. We pray for those who are thirsty for the truth, for love and for grace. We pray for those who seek God and his life with earnest hearts. And we trust in the promise that God will give water to the thirsty without cost from the spring of the water of life. I invite you to bring before the Lord from your hearts those who you know hunger and thirst for God and those who you know need God this morning. Lord, you said, see, I am making all things new. Amen. Make all things new. And we declare, whether praying for our young people or praying for those we have just lifted before you, we pray over them the truth that the words of the Lord are trustworthy and true, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, 
the beginning and the end. That he is all and knows all. That he is the one that all the world needs to turn to. And so we rest our trust, our hope and our future in the one that says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And we bring and pray all of our prayers this morning in the beautiful, powerful, hopeful, restorative, awesome, eternal name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bless you, friends, for joining me in prayer in two ways. First of all, for our children. Can I encourage you to keep praying for them? Um, I'm amazed at how many times as I'm praying for our children, I seem to bump into one of them around the town. Um, I just want to encourage you to do the same. Just keep praying. And if you're a visitor, can I encourage you to keep praying for your children? Keep praying for them. They are important. And secondly, for joining in our prayers of intercession. So before Paul comes, we are going to uh, read scripture together. We're going to continue with Proverbs. And uh, we're going to read from chapter 9. We've heard this several weeks running. It's good to repeat scripture so that actually it settles on our hearts. So Proverbs 9 to start off with, 1 to 6. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. And then we move forward to Proverbs 27. And we're going to read from 5 to 10. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. He is full loathes honey, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father, And do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a brother far away. May God add his understanding to his word. Amen. Friends, we're going to continue this morning to look at the seven pillars of wisdom that Solomon kind of refers to, doesn't tell us what they are, in chapter 9. They are pillars that uh, I believe are in the book of Proverbs, having done that research, and they're themes of truth. 
Now, already we're on pillar number six, so you can tell quite readily there's one more to go. But we've looked at five thus far, and if you remember what they are, they are pillars of trust, of integrity, of generosity, of diligence. And last week, Tommy spoke about apples of gold in settings of silver. That is to say, the words, the wisdom of words, and how we need to be wise and careful with our words. The sixth oh, hello. The seventh, the sixth pillar of wisdom is understanding the importance of community. We've just put it as community in our um, in there and on that list, but in reality, it's understanding why is community so important? Why is it considered to be a pillar of wisdom in the book of Proverbs? Do you know there's a truth this morning about Minehead Baptist Church? And in many ways, it's a quite shocking truth. But put simply, it's this. Whether you're a visitor here for the first time, you've come on to my little holiday, and incidentally, I'm glad to know that you brought the sunshine, at least this morning, with you. Whether you've moved to Minehead and you're thinking about your spiritual home, and you've come to check out Minehead Baptist Church, or whether you've been here for ages and you think of this as home, Whatever your situation, whatever your circumstances, the fact that you are here this morning and I am here this morning is no accident. You're here, even if you thought it was your choice, I would like to say, because God wants you to be here. It is no accident that you're here. And whilst you might not like that reality, it's true to say If that's true, you need me and I need you. And therefore, whether our journey ends when we've finished having coffee today and you go back home or you've decided this is not the church for you, you don't think this is the church family for you, or whether our journey goes on for the rest of our lives and me and Lorraine end up retiring here, and some of you are already thinking, please don't let them do that. (laughs) Whatever the reality of that is, okay, However long our journey is together, the simple truth is God has called us together this morning to hear from him. You and I together. What does he want to tell us then? Well, if you think of those pillars of wisdom that we've got up on the screen, we've already explored all of them, but they're best shown within community. And they're best shown between each other. And without the community that we call church, we wouldn't really be showing them to each other at all. Do you know, what do you think one of the most common things that a pastor has told over the years by people is? I wonder if you can kind of guess. Thank you. (laughs) That, of course, had to be the wife. The sermon's too long. Thank you, Lorraine. I feel blessed too. (laughs) I'll tell you one of the most common things I'm told, honestly, is this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I cannot tell you the number of times I've heard that statement because I'd be lying if I tried to guess. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Jesus is with you everywhere. I can do church here by myself. I've heard all of them, plus many more. But... All of those statements miss the point. 
Here's the point. Jesus, this morning, has called us to be community together, not for his sake, so he knows where you are this Sunday morning, but for your sake and for my sake, so that we might grow in faith and knowledge and love of him. He's brought us together as community, not because he needs you to be here, but because you need to be here. And if we think of it that way round, it changes everything. Now, the other thing that people have argued with me is this. This is absolutely true. I can do church myself on Sunday. There's good Christian satellite channels. Or, actually, YouTube's really good for churches. But you see, that also misses the point. Because it's when we meet each other as church either here or in life groups, that we put into practice those pillars of wisdom. It's in our small groups, or it's here on a Sunday, that we learn to trust, that we show integrity, that we practice generosity, that we live diligently, that we speak apples of gold in those settings of silver to each other, and we begin to understand the importance of community. It is easy to be a Christian by yourself, did you know that? And using that same list, I want to prove it to you. Here we go. If I have a church of one, and it's just me on a Sunday morning, the reality is I never have to open myself up to the possibility of hurt, so trust comes easily. Mind you, if it's also true to say that I'm a church of one, I don't have to worry about integrity, because I don't need to resist the enemy, because whatever I decide is truth is truth. And I find it, bluntly, really easy to be generous with myself. So I practice generosity regularly. And as for diligence, well, let's just say, my definition of diligence is whatever time I decide to give to the Lord in reading scripture and in prayer. I don't have to be accountable to anyone else other than me and God. And God doesn't mind if I only do it a minute a day. And as for the apples of gold, did you know that when I am doing church of me, the amazing thing is that everything that comes out of my mouth is wise. (laughs) We can see the nonsense of those statements, of course we can. But they all lead to the reality that unlike the church of one where I say I don't need community, the reality of life is that we do need community. And so I know there are many folk that follow Minehead Baptist Church. In the last count, I think about 80 or so across the week on our link, um, our YouTube channel. And it's brilliant that you do. I want to encourage you to do. And since I know one of you uh, regularly looks at this from Brisbane in Australia, I'm not saying this about you, right? Because I'm going to suggest that you turn up to church on Sunday. And Brisbane, Australia to Minehead's quite a distance. <laughs> You've got to set off now. You get my drift. But actually, we, want, we would love to know you, love to, you to be here, love to interact with you, love to share with you, love to be community with you. So if that's possible, please, from the bottom of my heart, let's worship together here. And if that's how you think, that you don't need to be in church this morning, then you're wrong. Because this Proverbs of Solomon tell us otherwise. And I want to suggest this, friends, we have an enemy. And if he could... 
One of the ways he would love to divide the church is by putting you and me alone in a room and not giving us any contact with each other. It would destroy the church of Jesus Christ almost better than anything else. Please don't go there. Because the truth is, I need you, because I've got to be honest, if I'm on my own and I'm doing church of me, I'm weak. But if I'm with you, and we together are the bride of Christ, or more specifically, an army, then I am strong. In a, after the, when we come to response, I've asked Tanya if she would share that original vision about slippers and walking boots. And, because in reality, friends, I need you to take my slippers off and put my walking boots on. And you need me. And to someone here this morning, I want to say this to you. I believe that God is saying this to you. Stop trying to go it alone. You're heading down the wrong path. And however painful it might feel to come and be among God's people, that is exactly where you need to be to heal. And the Lord wants you to heal. Because he's got something amazing for you to do, but he can't do that with you until you heal. That's for you. That speaks into your life. Can I ask you to speak to me after the service? And if you're sitting there thinking he's telling me off, then I have to tell you, you're right. But there again, isn't that what we're told is also part of being a community? Listen to the words of that reading again. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Words from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. We may not like it as part of my job description, but that is at least in part part of my job description. So I'm not telling you off nastily, but I pray out of real hidden love for you. And I hope that it's not so hidden. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. And I'd like to put on that at the end of that. And better when it's all done in love, but you get my drift. Or what about Proverbs 27, 9 to 10 that Lorraine read? Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. I want to say thank you to those of you, then there are scattered around the church, so I'm deliberately doing this, so I'm not looking at you, right? But the reality is I want to say thank you to those of you who have broken your heart with me, and we have sat down together and cried together, and been real with each other. That's doing community. Why? Why is that so? Well, did you know that there's something wondrous about God's creation? You know, Tommy, he says it's a big story from the beginning to the end. He would say yes to this. But ever since God created, everything that he created exists in an elaborate network of relationship with each other. I thought I'd show you what I mean. There's some plants. There's some gardeners among you, and I'm told it's the same plant, and it's growing up, and I have no idea how you take that picture, but by the by, think of plants. There's my little plants. I've no idea what they are, but I will tell you this. The first picture I clicked on and I put was a beautiful picture of this plant growing up until I read the description on the free website that I got it from, and it said cannabis growing. So I hope... (laughs) So I'm, not a, I'm, I'm in no way a horticulturalist, but I hope and pray that's not cannabis. I, it didn't look anything like 
But what about that plant? What about that plant? Rooted in the soil, isn't it? Reaching for sunlight. Isn't that what happens as it grows? In order, when you get to that final stage and the flower starts to open, those of you that gardeners, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it need insects or the wind in order to pollinate and reproduce? Survival and health, in the case of a plant, require connectivity with the earth and with all that God has created to be healthy. Why do we think it's any different for human beings? I love this picture. Just, for me, it's kind of like amazing. I wish I could replicate that. But there's something strong there, isn't there? Okay? I'm not going to suggest Tommy does this, but I have done that with a group of teenagers. I've got them to do that, and you would be amazed the amount of weight you can put on the middle of that. Individually, if you added up all they could individually lift, they probably couldn't lift it, but together... They're able to do it. Human beings must be connected through relationship as well. And true, to, true as it is of the plant, as it is of us, we can't experience healthy growth, growth in isolation, however much we try. Now, I realise that I might get a few angry emails this afternoon for what I'm about to say, but think for a moment what would happen, what is happening in this modern era as people try to grow in isolation. I'm going to give you an example. You know, nowadays we think it's a blessing when we have 600 friends on social media. Okay. Most of whom we don't know, will never meet, have never met and never will. Rather than 60 friends we know in person. And then we wonder why. While some of our most vulnerable young people are scarred by the comments that are made to them by so-called friends whose pressure seems to come from bigging themselves up and belittling you, that's where they get their pleasure. And we think 600 social friends are better than 60 real friends. Give me 20 real friends. No, give me 12. Because isn't that what Jesus had? Friends, we need to somehow, way, shape or form, recognise that we're made to face each other, that we're made to cry with each other, to hug each other. And we need that in order to be healthy and to grow. And the Church of Jesus Christ is in this point, in my opinion, this is the bit where I might get the emails, in my opinion, we're called to be countercultural, not to live the standards of culture but to live to the standards of Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus would say, I'm here for you, over a social media message, or do you think he'd hug you? What do you reckon? That stunned you. Don't believe me. Do you know when we had those COVID restrictions, love COVID, not but when we had those restrictions, do you know, by far, the biggest chunk of my inbox was people saying, when are we going to get back together to meet? When are we going to be able to get rid of these stupid things? We want to be with each other, hug each other, share coffee with each other. Do you know what stunned me? 
The fact that when we could do that, so many people didn't want to do it. The same people that have written the emails. You can't do church alone. Anyway, I'll get off my high horse. We're made for relationship. And deep down, you know that to be the truth. After all, we can't reproduce in isolation. We can't bear fruit evangelistically in isolation. And even our salvation is about a relationship with the one who created with God himself. Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that's suitable for him. Well, that doesn't mean that everyone has to be married. Please don't think that. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is the wisdom of God is that everyone should be connected in relationships. And he's brought you here this morning so that you can be. There you go. Could finish there, but won't. (laughs) Thank you, Lorraine, for reminding me the sermon's too long. There's a movie. I I like the movie, but there's one thing in the movie. It really grinds my gears. That's the expression Tommy used, incidentally. Um, Every time I see the movie. And the movie is Castaway. You seen the movie? Here you go. This is Castaway. There's Tom Hanks. Okay. Anyone, let's see if any movie bus. Anyone tell me. That's, that's Tom Hanks, but what's the other character called? Wilson. Wilson. And what is Wilson? A football. A football. Yeah. His mate. His mate. Someone said, it's his mate, yeah. He cuts himself and he puts his hand on the ball and he suddenly thinks... And then he takes his own blood and he draws. That's Wilson. The character Wilson. Incidentally, just to let you know, how much do you think recently that the ball... The original Wilson that they used in the film, one of about 12, was sold for? Not millions, but $100,000. And you go, it's just a ball. (laughs) And that's my problem. This man that was made for communion with God when he's on a desert island turns and tries to find fellowship and friendship and companionship to save himself going insane in a ball. It's absurd, isn't it, that he doesn't talk to God? If you and I were on that desert island, we would should, and should turn to the living Lord. Because we need a relationship with God and with each other. And it seems absurd to me not to talk to God, whether we're in my head or on a desert island. Anyway, your relationship needs to be healthy. Proverbs 6.19, these are the six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Did you know that's what the Lord hates? Quite clearly, Solomon reminds us of the importance of community. Or, Proverbs 18, verse 19, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city. Disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. And on the flip of that, the Psalms give us an example of what true community is like. Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. 
It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. I did think maybe I could find a gent in the, in the congregation with a beard and see if I could do that, but then I realised that might be a bit wrong. But if you were to do that, what you discover is that you smell. You absolutely stink of the oils for a long, long time. You are affected by it. And I would argue there are seven ingredients to a healthy relationship. I'll take Debbie's, um, bear in mind she knows a lot more about this than me, I'll take Debbie's kind of correction in a while. But here we go. I think for a healthy relationship we need to be real with each other. Based in reality. Not denying emotions or ignoring problems, but be real, be honest, be open. Oh, that's the other one, honesty. The more lies, denials and secrets there are in a relationship, seems to me the more dysfunctional it is. Truth builds trust. Trust creates relationships and those relationships endure and grow. Or what about friendship? The basis of any healthy relationship between you and I should be friendship. Now, that doesn't mean I'll always be your friend. Because I might have, because of what God's called me to do, to tell you some of those truths. But I pray I do it in love, and that's the basis of friendship. It shouldn't be self-serving or exploitative. The author, Jeremy Taylor, writes on the subject of friendship, and he says this, and I love his definition. By friendship you mean the greatest love, the greatest usefulness, the most open communication, the noblest of suffering, the severest of truth, the heartiest of counsel, and the greatest union of minds which brave women and men are capable of. Wow. Forgiveness. Lorraine will have to forgive me later on for a sermon that's too long. But you get the drift. Forgiveness resolves the path, clears away the past for a healthy future. Security. In a word of turmoil and attack, healthy relationships are one based upon security. And you have the most healthy relationship of all. 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Vulnerability. Those of you that have cried with me, I thank you for showing me vulnerability and letting me show you it too. A healthy relationship is one where we can be ourselves, the deepest self. And sacrifice. Sometimes we must sacrifice our rights, specifically our rights during times of conflict, being concerned for the other person. And lastly but not leastly, we need to be a place of discipline and discipleship. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Or Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Surely church should be a place, our community should be a place where we're merciful and willing to share with each other, where we are ready to be discipled and disciple each other, where we're ready to be vulnerable with each other. A place not only where we're ready to be merciful and willing to share with each other, but we do it in the right way. Um, I can only find some Anglican examples of these. 
But these are truly the reflections of one Anglican vicar in Berkshire, um, who at the end of the year, as he was writing, he got into the habit of kind of writing a summary of what happened in the year. And he looked back, and week by week, he kind of reflected upon the fact that at the door, as if you, in Anglican you'll know the vicar stands at the door and everyone politely shakes his hand, and he made a note as he went through the year of what people had said to him. And so he's reflecting on what's been said. These are some of the truthful things that were said to a vicar one year, during one year in Berkshire. I don't care what they say, I like your sermons. <laughs> if I'd have known you were going to be good today, I'd have bought a neighbour. <laughs> Did you know there are 243 panes of glass in the windows? We shouldn't make you preach so much. That's my kind of favourite, that one. Got that? The irony. Those of you that love ironic humour will know that one. We shouldn't make you preach so much. Friends, I just want to say to you this, I guess. I think church community should be a place where we minister to and we support each other in love. How do we do that? How do we build each other up? A Christian journalist called Daniel Webster offers some great advice. He says this, I think, and I think it's brilliant. If we work on marble, it will perish. If we work on brass, time will efface it. If we build temples, they'll crumble. But if we work on man's immortal mind, if we imbue him with high principles, with just the fear of God and love of, the, of a fellow man, we will engrave on those tablets something which time cannot efface. And will brighten and will brighten until the day of eternity. So isn't that the sort of community that Solomon calls a pillar of wisdom? And how do you sum it up in scripture? Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God love, has ever seen God rather. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. How dare we say to Minehead, God loves you, and then not love each other. Our actions belie our words. Why are we community together? Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, never give up meeting together. Here's the deal. I need you. You need me. Amen. Friends, let's come before the Lord in prayer as Jules and Laura come and lead us in some worship. Father God, we thank you for the reality that we are yours and you are ours. We thank you for the reality that you've brought us together this morning and pray, Lord, as community together, we would respond in love to you. To you be all honour and glory, power and majesty, but, Lord, bind us together as a community, we pray. 
Help us to learn to trust each other, to show integrity to each other, to practice generosity among each other, to be diligent individually and as a community, and help our words be wise apples of gold. And help all of that, Lord, bring us to an understanding of the importance of being church family together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Want to know how important it is to be in community? The Son of God himself came to show the world who he was. He decided not to do it alone. But with church family, he's going to call the disciples around him. We're going to sing a song now, Laura, I think in worship, as a response. Thank you, Paul. And as we go into this week as God's people, loving each other, supporting each other, we thank you, Lord, that you've loved us first. And this next song, it's such a gift to be able to sing these words. My debt is paid. It's paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled. Now the curse of sin has no hold on me. Whom the sun sets free, oh, it's free indeed. So if you like to stand, we sing Man of Sorry. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by his Earlier on you sang a song, we sang a song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. And one of those words, one of the times we sang it, we said, Open the Eyes of Our Heart. Our Heart. This is an us response, dear church. Last, a couple, last week we talked about, uh, two weeks ago, sorry, we talked about, two weeks ago, we talked about taking off slippers and putting on walking boots. Do you remember that? That comes from something Tanya had, um, God gave you really, I would suggest, and I asked if you could share that because I think it's important, dear church, as community, that we start to take off the slippers of comfort and put on the walking boots. <coughs> to you. Good morning, family. It was two weeks ago and I was getting ready for church and getting the kids ready for church and I had said to them, I'd given them their 15 minute kind of get ready guys, I want your shoes on by the time I come down. And then the 10 minute, right we've got 10 minutes, we're nearly there, shoes on, yep, yep, all three little voices coming up. And when I came down they were in various parts with no shoes on, not ready. And I sat down, I got my shoes on and I was reminded of of during that week I was praying for the church, our church, Minehead, and the church as a whole. How how are we? How you know, how do we move forward? And I was reminded of all the words we've had through the year about God's God is moving, He is coming to be prepared, to be excited. Yet here we are, myself included, and we've still not got our shoes on. We're still not ready. And it was one of those kind of rhema, I know we have rhema words, but rhema moments where it just punched me. And I thought, we are, we are comfy. You know, and I'm not saying there's not a place for that. There's not a place to be still. But there's, God has spoken so much to us about being ready and being prepared. And, and are we sat with our shoes not on? You know, and that was, that was the word. And it was, it was, it wasn't exciting. It wasn't a word of rebuke. It was an encouragement of, hey, Come on, we've had our 10 minutes, we're ready, I've spoken to you, where are the shoes? And uh, I was so blessed that, that, that day, as, as, as 
Paul spoke and I shared my word with him. And we had so many other words that, that Sunday the same. And we had that lovely word from that sister. I, I can't remember who, the woman with our sword, carrying our sword. And it, during in prayer, Paul had said, shared to me, you know, not, not for now. So I was praying into that word. And God reminded me of, of Gideon when he took his men uh, to, to drink. And it kind of, again, it's that encouragement, you know, how are we, how are we drinking? Are we taking our eyes off the ball? You know, the, the, the men. Some, if you go, when I get, you know, when you're in this position, it requires taking your sword off. And then you've got the, the men that came to drink. And they were waiting and they were in expectancy and they were prepared. They would have had their swords still on. And it was that kind of, again, not rebuke. It was that kind of, come on, are we expectant? Are we ready? Have we got our shoes on? When we want people coming through the door, it's going to be welcome. Don't get comfy because we're going places. Keep your shoes on, but you're welcome to join. Type word. I love when God does that stuff because he builds and he builds and he builds and he builds. And all of a sudden he goes, go. This week someone said to me something, the reason I asked... Tanya, not that Tanya knows this, but the reason I asked, thought this, this is right is because someone talked to me about how the world will come to mine head. And I thought, that's, that's a big vision, Lord. Surely not me. And then what's happened this week, which I pray to the Lord, I'll be able to share with you over the course of the coming weeks and months, is that I, I, had, so I was talking to Lorraine and there was a sense in which God was saying, this is a big vision. And I went, no, surely that, we will never make that happen. Guess what's happened this week? Two or three of the things have come together. I don't know where that will lead. I will share with you as soon as I am able, because it's as soon as God's put it, made that shape of my heart. But I want you to hear, if this is true, if that's true, the first person that must respond in this church is me. I need you. You need me. Remember that? So for my part this morning, I've got a pair of comfortable shoes on. They might be my slippers. But I acknowledge the first thing I need to do is to take them off. And that's exactly what I'm going to do as we sing. I'm going to ask, actually, can I ask, I know this is not really the done thing, so my apologies. But can we sing The Battle Belongs again? And that's also, thank sorry at the back, I do apologise. And then we'll sing our last song. During these two songs, can I invite you to respond as you wish? Not as I wish but as you wish. I'll respond for me how I feel it's right to personally respond, and I'm going to invite you to do the same for you. In the full acknowledgement that the battle belongs to the Lord. Dear church, can I invite you to worship and respond to him? The battle belongs to the Lord. I pray, Lord, that this week may be one filled with you. And, Lord, that we may join with the chorus of angels that praise your holy name. 
we may do your bidding and obey your word. And that, Lord, you would turn this church community, this church family, into an army. Slippers off, shoes on, sword by the side, standing with our commander. And I pray, Lord, that this week in this town, many would come to know you. Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is coming and he will fight and his troops will be with him. And the church that is Jesus Christ, the mighty army of God, will rise up in this town no matter what denomination and say, we are for the Lord and no one can stand against us. And I join with those angels as they use the words in the Psalms, praise the Lord. I pray a blessing on my friends. This week our lives may declare the praise and the beauty of the Lord. And you will be lifted high. Friends, it is so easy at the end of a prayer just to say amen. But remember, it means let it be. So I invite you, not, there's nothing between me and you but between you and the Lord to just say amen in your heart or out loud as your response to your living Lord. The end of Psalm 103 says this, Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all the heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And I add for me. Amen. Forever he is glorified. And then we're going to share some uh, refreshments. Just to let you know, during this song, the collection will be taking our offering. However, if you're a visitor, can I ask you to do something for me? Let the bag pass you by. Unless the Lord has said, put in today... We love you being with us. We don't want you to feel obligated in any way. This is a love offering from the folk of this church to make the work of this church, the missional work of this church, be a, be a priority among us. So if the Lord has said, has said give, please give. But otherwise, please know that your being here is the blessing that we are after this morning. We're going to sing forever. He is glorified. The moon and stars they went, the, the morning sun I want to invite you to share with us with some tea and coffee, but before we do, I just want to give you a little example of something. It's a privilege sometimes to be here to see what you don't really. And the very first person to take their shoes off in this church this morning was a child and there are their shoes I guess my prayer is go do likewise dear church may the Lord bless you this day and forevermore Amen To leave a comment please go to myinhead-baptist.com slash sermons Well thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon